4: it gives me a lot
1: of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9.
0: Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast.
1: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Christy. Hey, Will. How are you? Oh, man, I am just, I can't even tell you. This was a really amazing episode. I I hear voices uh, incredible. I honestly I think this might have been my one of my it's really hard to pick because like honestly all of our guests are so unique. It's not just about the voices. It's a 360 look at the entire industry the chronology the anthology if you will. We are so blessed to have the most amazing guest today.
2: We are uh, a living legend and again. Not using that term lightly, we try not to use that term lightly, but literally a living legend in the entertainment industry, in the voiceover industry, in the entire animation industry, Andrea Romano. Wait until we get into this one.
4: I hear voice
2: All right, so that's it. We're pretty much started. That's how it goes here uh, on I Hear Voices. (laughs) And everybody out out there, folks, this is one I've been waiting for for a while for a very specific reason. Not only because this is one of my favorite people in the history of the world. Not only because this is the person who is absolutely the most directly responsible for me having any sort of a voiceover career. But it is because it is not often that you get to get inside the mind of a living legend or that it's hyperbole when you say living legend. This person is that and more. Andrea Romano is joining us, the most amazing director in the history of voiceover. Once again, not hyperbole. So uh, (laughs) welcome, welcome. So amazing to have you here.
3: Thank you. I'm so glad this worked out. I miss you, Christy. It's so nice to spend some time with you, and uh, oh, it's just nice to have a reason you. to put on something other than sweat clothes.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it? Is it? I mean, really? At the end of the day, I, yeah, I know
3: it is. Okay, I've got sweatpants <laughs> on. Okay, I'm not going to stand up, but the, blouse the top, is top up is all that matters. Yeah, we love exactly.
2: Oh, exactly. My, we love that. Well, the first thing we were talking about a little bit off camera, off mic, uh, before the record was, we're trying to figure out if you guys are related.
1: Yeah. Okay. Andrea and I, we've we've crossed paths just a little bit, right. and the question has always been, are we related? Right. We have the same last name. We're both from the East Coast, I guess. We both actually have Austrian in our,
3: right. our blood, I guess. So you could so be. Weird. But you're Sicilian. You're Sicilian. Yes. My family-
0: Sicilian and Calabrese.
3: The, the thing is that's so weird is Romano means of Rome. Of Rome. So somewhere, <laughs> our family was back there. My Must have been. father, who was the Italian side, says that Naples is where his family has most recently or had most recently congregated. T- I believe mine,
2: too, oh, though. Oh, it's getting
1: closer. And they well, were royal. My, mine were royal,
3: not bakers, but they were cooks, royal chefs. Oh, I, I know nothing about that part. But I I think we do need to research us a little bit more. The other side of my family, my mom's side of the family, which was the Austrian, Swedish, Jewish part of the family. They did do a family tree there, but nobody's done the family tree for the Romano side. So I'll see if we can't get a little bit of information and then you and I will communicate and we'll find out if, in fact, there is some distant. Although what's weird about the whole thing, Christy, is we never worked together. We never actually. Uh, get this is sad. Together. I know. I've I have been trying to tired rectify
2: tired this. Well, we're going to talk about that too.
1: Okay. We're working together now. We're talking about exactly. It. And you know what? I love you like family. Thank and we you. both have glasses on today. We're going to use each other's face then we can see better. <laughs> there, there's a thing. I I don't know, Will, but I think she and I. I look absolutely
2: alike. see it. I absolutely see it. And I think somewhere I we're going to find out that not only are you related, but also Kevin Bacon. Because isn't that the way it works with everything? <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's he's your cousin. Both of
2: you—that's what connects you. I
1: thought it was
0: Jason. Kevin, Jason Jason Marsden connects
2: everything. At at the end of the day, after we
1: talked, (laughs) it's the two
2: degrees of of Jason Marsden.
1: And neither of us is related to Ray
2: Romano. That much we can. Or Reno, or Reno. No, or Reno. You know, it's funny when you say them out loud. There's a lot of Romanos out there.
3: There are one (laughs) Fidel.
2: Only one Friedel.
3: Is that all? Yeah.
2: Well, uh, there's some Friedels, but we don't talk to them.
3: Right. Right.
2: Oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, totally different. But you say you grew up on the on the East Coast. So, not to not to go right back to childhood, but did you always know you wanted to do something in the entertainment industry?
3: I did. That that very phrase I have quoted many times, which is, I I at a very young age I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I didn't know in what capacity didn't know if I wanted to be an actor or a director or build sets or be, you know, uh, I didn't know if it was in the theatrical world of plays and theater or if it was going to be in TV. And, you know, back in those days, streaming was not even a concept. I, I had a very large family. I come from a family of eight kids. Wow. Two boys, six girls. And so I thought I turned that off. Did you hear That's that? That's okay. Ooh, that just means people like you. <laughs> I'm really it's sorry. I'm okay. no. It's a better podcast. You're okay. It's a better podcast. But there was two things I decided at a very young age. I wanted to work in the entertainment industry. And when I got married, because in those days, we're talking about 1960, b- back in those days, you got married, you yeah. know, when you were a girl, you got married. That was part of your, what, what kind of man are you going to marry? Well, I wanted to marry someone from a foreign country <laughs> for whom English was not their first language, <laughs> who still spoke with an accent. And was an artist. I was that specific at like 10 years old. Wow, that's amazing. I am married now 31 years to Rogério Nogueira, who is a Brazilian artist who speaks with a Brazilian accent still, and would certainly be willing to lose it, but I'm like, no, no, I love that part. I love when you say things. You're like, that's part of the deal, man. Oh,
1: Oh, we love it. We
2: love Rogério. I would also like to point out, when it comes to Rogério, I think I'm still one of the few people in the world that has an original Rogerio oil painting hanging on as well. I don't You and me. That's it. We just the, just two. the two of us. Yeah, uh, he is that's a phenomenal wow. artist and very, very quick Rogerio story. Andrea and I, so we had become friends. We did she cast me in Batman Beyond. We'll get into all of this, but we'd become friends and she introduced me to her husband Rogerio. And I invited you over to our home at one point. And in my bathroom, hanging on my my wall was oh. the first album i'd ever gotten in my life and it was the weird al yankovic did did an album (laughs) and it was a and the 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 cover was um this beautiful cartoon that was very intricate and as a kid when i couldn't sleep i used to pull out the album and stare at it and try to pick out all the little things that were in this album cover and hojerio was the artist that had done the album cover no way. What How are the chances that? of that Truly. happening? And so Truly. he says, I did that. I am freaking out. I mean, the chances of the artist being there to see the album cover. And so he signed it for me, obviously. And I said, do you do any any kind of watercolor or, or any kind of uh, paintings? And he said, I'm actually getting trying to get more into that. And I commissioned him. To do yep. uh, an oil painting, and it is still hanging over my my bar to this day. It is like yes. the first thing you see when you walk into the house. That's right. I'm so honored to have it.
3: I'm so glad and I've I'll, had it for I'll years. Him,
2: oh, please do. So I'll
3: tell him that you mentioned it. it'll make him very just happy. Just a very
2: quick Hojaria story no. about that. we talk about the six degrees of separation. Of the chances of that happening, are so <laughs> slim that. And, I,
3: and the fact that you had it on your bathroom and, wall. I mean, you could have had it in your collection. Yeah. And he never would have known. It was crazy, but it's, it was hanging on my wall. Totally, totally. So, and then and over throughout the years, I got to know Al Yankovic and hired him many times. And he's a terrific voiceover guy and a really really nice human being. Really nice human being. So, yeah. When I was now, when I was 19, twelve,
2: I did a show on Nickelodeon called "Don't Just Sit There." And one of the first interviews that I had to do, I was interviewing Weird Al Yankovic and Michael Richards together for UHF. Wow, that was a tough interview, um, but uh, so much fun. But anyway, sorry, off that was off on the That's on right. the Hozier. Six so degrees, six degrees.
3: But always... the before, we leave, before we leave, I want to go yeah. back to Christy for one second. Uh, you said you're half half Italian, half Jewish, somewhere like that. Uh, okay, so
1: fifty percent right? Italian, yeah. the other fifty percent is Swedish and German. Okay, but I the German part is actually yeah, we're for sure Swedish, right. but the German is the the tricky part right. where it's like I think we might have actually been. German-Jewish, gotcha. okay. because somebody found a menorah in somebody's, ah, you know, yeah, yeah. box, and they right. were hiding it, wow. and then they came over.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I, it's it's I, I weird. And It's simply because I wanted to give you a line that you, I'm happy to share with you, which is when people ask me about my ethnic background, I say I'm half Italian and half Jewish, so I have lust and guilt. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> perfect combination of things. There you go. I think and that's right. so That similar. sounds they like really me. similar.
1: We are definitely related yeah. then. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I think that is quite,
2: yeah, we'll fi- we'll have to figure that out. That's, uh, that would be fun. So we'll have a, we're going to have a project. Now you know that the listeners. We're going to prick
1: our fingers at the end of this and The mail it listeners in. from yeah, I Hear the Voices
2: gonna are going to start that. web sleuthing and finding out uh, if hey, you guys are related. Hey, great
3: name for a podcast, by the way. I like it very much. Nice. Thank you. All I, I, credit
2: to Brendan. This was actually Brendan's. Oh, idea. Really? yes Yeah, I your keep Your husband forgetting. came up with the idea for, for nice. the name. Yeah.
3: Nice. Yes. So, very good. I like yes. it very much.
2: We thought it was fun. But speaking of voices, you know what you want to do. You are very specific in what you want, who you want to marry, but you know you right. want to do something. You're more specific right. about that than what you want to do in the industry.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I can tell you is that I was a huge cartoon fan as a very young child. And um, Interesting. Do you remember which ones? By, oh, God, yes. Um, Huckleberry Hound was my favorite. Huckleberry okay. Hound was so great. And I can tell you exactly why. It took me a very long time to figure out why was I so... In love with that cartoon. And it's because it's the first time that a character for me that I was aware of broke the fourth wall. Huckleberry Hound spoke right to camera. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Huckleberry Hound was talking right to me through the TV. It was a personal connection. It was not just a right. cartoon. It was, and if I didn't get in front of the TV before the main title card and the episode title came up, I was distraught because I had failed my friend Huckleberry Hound. I didn't know what the joke was going to be about the name of the episode. Some writer took a lot of time to come up with a title. and I didn't see it. I don't know what it is. Oh man! Um, but and I did get the pleasure, the joy, the honor of meeting and working with Dawes Butler, the voice of Huckleberry Hound, many years later. And wow. when he, when I told him how much, uh, what a huge fan of Huckleberry Hound I was, uh, he spoke to me as Huckleberry <gasps> Hound, and I just burst into tears. I mean, it was just... It was an instantaneous reaction. I had no idea I would react that way, but it was just like being completely transported back to being five years old in front of the TV in feedy pajamas, you know, with a bowl of Rice Krispies and just waiting for the next word. Um, so I love that cartoon. Wow. And I also, most of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons of that era I loved, but I also loved the Jay Ward cartoons, Rocky and Bullwinkle yep. show, the fractured <laughs> fairy tales. Yep. And I know I didn't get all the jokes back then, but I enjoyed them so much. I enjoyed the show so much. And then as an adult, I enjoyed them as well because there was a lot of adult humor but they did such a good job of mixing the two that this was a one of the first instances that I'm aware of where parents and kids could watch a cartoon together and really enjoy it. And that's what you want is an evergreen like that, something that will that will the kids will watch, the parents will watch, everybody's happy, and then ideally yep. the kids will watch it again when they're adults. And they still so, it still
1: works. And that's by the way what we what we're seeing with Kim Possible now. But neat. I, I have two little kids now. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Cool. And I can attest for the fact that there are lots of options in streaming. There are almost too many options. Yes. Yes. Um, now, whenever I launch my Netflix, there's something new popping up as an icon. That's mm-hmm. an actual character that represents an entire series. It's yeah. Huge. And then it's uh, when I when I think about the things because kids, they have such fickle ideas about who they are from day to day. My daughter's a mermaid. Next day, my daughter's Spider-Man. So it's like they have such fickle tastes that it is, they're almost at a disadvantage now to have too many options to identify with at any point in time. You know, we actually have my kids watching... A lot of the older shows. Good. So right now, Good. we have them watching Magic School Bus, the original Good Magic one. School
3: Bus. Good one. I mean, there are classics. There yeah. are classics that that should be that kids should be aware of because they will constantly be referenced socially. They're just in our lives. You know, we're of slightly a different generation. I think the thing is, way back when you guys, when I first started working in cartoons, which would have been like 1980. Well, I was a voice agent in 1980. So I was dealing with, you know, uh, submitting actors for cartoons back in 1980. During that time, there was a handful of actors doing all the voices for all the cartoons. All the actors who did the Smurfs also did all the voices for the Snorks, also did all the voices for practically every other Hanna-Barbera cartoon. But there was only about 20 of them that did the majority of the work. And then... Gordon Hunt and I were working together at Hanna-Barbera. This would be about 84. And we said, we need to open this up a little more. We need to get more talent in. And Gordon had been the casting director at the Mark Taper Forum in downtown Los Angeles, the theatrical casting director. And he said, there's a bunch of people that are really ripe for this. They would be very good at this. And of course, it makes sense that actors who do theatrical work, stage work, It requires a little bit more energy than television or film work. The camera catches everything. You can do things very small, and it is caught and observed, and it's blown up. Theatrically, you have to be a little bit louder, a little bit broader, just a little bit. I'm not talking about, you know, huge commedia dell'arte. I'm talking about just being broader, and that's what you need in animation, too. For the most part, we still want it to be real. You know, there's some very extreme fantasy stuff you want to do that's a little bit more out of the ordinary, but, um, so Gordon and I decided, let's start bringing in other actors. And I I do believe we were responsible for opening up the field. And then as you can see by history, it went wild. I mean, everybody, when I was an agent, people would say, I uh, don't voiceover oh, no no, animation god no and by the time i retired people were like my 10 clients all of whom are enormous celebrities have screamed please work with them before they before you retire andrea so they can have that experience of and you know it, it was it completely changed during my career which was lovely because i had a much larger talent pool but i want to go back a second well you asked me about the cartoons that I watched, and what were my favorites. Yeah. The thing is, back then, you guys, cartoons were available. And Christy, you mentioned this. We talk about the enormous choices your kids have right now. Um, Too many. There were Saturday morning (laughs) cartoons, and Uh there were weekday afternoon cartoons. And that was it. There was no Cartoon Network yet. You could not get a cartoon. You could not watch a cartoon. There was no VCR yet. Yeah. this was it. If you wanted to watch cartoons, so I would rush home from school, three o'clock in the afternoon I'd get home, flip on the TV in Mom and Dad's bedroom where the second TV was and watch uh, sitting on mom's bed when I should be folding clothes for the, you know, seven other siblings I have and all the other things we're supposed to, the chores we were supposed to do. But I would sit there and watch, you know, Huckleberry Hound or, you know, Fractured Fairy Tales or whatever until I could hear my mom's car drive up on the Bluestone driveway and go, oh no, I didn't fold the clothes. I became the master of the quick fold. I could fold clothes so quickly. And, you know, even out the bed and turn the TV off and, and go do the chores. What I found out many years later from my mom when I had the joke with her about, did you ever think it would pay off how much I love cartoons, mom? Was these were the days of the television tubes that warmed up and yes, cooled down. So she... <laughs> and when they cooled down, they tick. Yep, like right? a car. The te- right, it yep. would tick, and so she would come home from work and go into her room to change her clothes. Of course, you'd hear the TV ticking. She never busted me on it. Never. Oh, busted that's me great. On. So adorable. I
2: remember uh, it was also you had the um, the channel changer was a d- 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 was it was a a, a a switch that you change it, back. Yeah, uh, right. my my was dad a was a dial. My yeah. dad would always say when you got into the higher stations and we go really fast, you'd always hear from the other room, "Don't change the channel so fast." <laughs> so. Why would
3: Will we break it? I don't know. Do you want
1: to know? The modern day version of this is that my daughter has a Fire iPad, an Amazon Fire iPad, right? And I can literally go in and see her viewing time, how much she's watched (sighs) on it. So if I want to peek in on that- yeah, you I, well, but you can see how much they've been, you, you can see how much time they've had on their screen sure. and you can kind of try to limit it or whatnot. Sure. But sure. like, that's the modern day version right. of the clicking right. old fashioned TV. I, it's true,
2: it's true.
3: Somebody so, somebody told me recently that their their daughter said to them with an appalled face, were you born in the 1900s? Uh, wow. Ugh. Ugh. 1900s. Ugh.
1: Honey, when
3: else would I be born? Like, come on, do the Uh, math. Well,
1: I mean, that seems to them
3: like they have no concept of time. Horse and carriage time, Uh, Mom. Every time I
2: think about stuff like that, the line, the great line from When Harry Met Sally comes into my mind, where he says, "Hey, you having fun with your new girlfriend?" He says, "Yeah, she's just a little young." When I when I said to her, "Where were you when Kennedy was shot?" She said, "Ted Ted Kennedy got shot." (laughs) Um, So it, it is that same kind of you do. You hear certain things and you go like. Oh well, I, I mean, have you seen the video? Uh, it was a famous, famous, I think, on the YouTubes or something. It went that, what the kids are calling viral, where it's one of the one of the rotary phones, and the parents put a number on it, and the kids had they filmed their kids trying to make a phone call, and it was I like no for idea. like. Four yeah. minutes they didn't even have the receiver up. They were like hitting the buttons and the guy goes, Wait, I think you gotta lift this thing. I mean you're you're looking at it going, You've got to be, it changes so quickly and then it's forgotten Absolutely. so quickly.
3: Absolutely. Well, I was talking yesterday about MySpace. Do you remember that? Of course. Things that used to sure. exist. That's so long gone. Oh yes. Yeah, it was cutting edge. It's it, done. But here and gone.
2: It's not well. F- one yeah. thing I want to say, and this, this is again because you never do this for yourself. You talk about how you know by the time you started in the industry it was one way, and by the time you finished in the industry, at least casting the actors and how that was was a completely different thing. You are one of the people responsible for that. I mean, it's not just that you were there to witness it happen. You are one of the architects of the way, and that is again not to not to hey you're you're here, so I'm going to kiss your butt. But it's one of those things where. You had that several times in your career because one of the other things we, we, we've we talked about on this show when the amazing Kevin Conroy was on as our guest, who I always talk about as my mentor and the voiceover acting side. We talk about how cartoons were essentially cartoons until right. Batman the Animated Series came out and then it right, was no right. longer a cartoon. It became an animated right. series. These were not cartoon actors. These were Actors who happen to be doing voiceover. So you change the number. First, you change the number of actors that really had a shot at this part of the craft. And then you change the craft itself. Can you talk a little bit about that transition from the cartoon to the animated series? Because it was, uh, uh, I mean, a shot fired across the entire industry.
3: It's amazing to me. And thank you for such nice words. Thank you for saying all those kind things. You don't think about... Or I didn't think about the fact that I was doing those things. It's like when you first became an on-camera actor, I'm sure you didn't go to the set and say, I uh, could be a jerk. I could be a nice guy. Let me try being a jerk. You just went, it seems right to me that I should be a nice guy. Right. And so you did your job that way. Well, I I looked at this, and and I had a great mentor in Gordon Hunt. He was such a, a brilliant voice director and... What I, so many things I learned from him, including providing a space for actors to feel comfortable to do their best work. And I just read an interview of one of my favorite actors that I never got to hire. And he's not really an actor, but I wanted him to be. It was Alex Trebek. I just loved oh, him. He's the sure. one failure. Trebek. I didn't get a chance to work with him. And I met him several times. And I met him at the Emmys one day, holding an Emmy. And I said, oh, will you come work? Yes, I do many voices I would love. I said, I know, I hear your voices. But he had just done an interview, I think in maybe um, the Television Academy's magazine, the Emmy magazine or something. But he said that his job was to m- make a wonderful space for the competitors on the show. And I thought, well, that was my job too, as far as hmm. making a comfortable space for actors to feel like they could, could open up. And, and for the cartoony shows... They could be goofy, really be crit. And I don't mean goofy, literally. I mean, they could be crazy. They could do whatever they wanted. And sometimes that's where you want people to go on a cartoony show. Go farther, go farther, be sillier, be broader, be, you know, make that laugh. Ha, 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 be ha, ha, huge. Go for it. But, it. but creating that environment where it's more of a theatrical event requires a couple of things. It requires a really good producer which we had in Bruce Timm, and Paul Dini and Alan Burnett and all the various people that worked on Batman, the animated series. You need fantastic writers, which we had. And you need a cast who understands that we're all doing this together and that it's not a competition of any sort. Once you've got the job, you got the job. And so you don't have to compete with the other actors. All you have to do is your best work. And so I figured out what is the best way for me to get the best work from the actors? Well, let's get the script to them ahead of time. Let's not be- let it be a secret from when they get yeah, to the session. right, exactly. What, what are my words today? So I made a great effort to make sure, and this is back in the day, you guys, when we were typing scripts on a typewriter and copying mm. them on a copy machine. And sending them by messenger to the actors' homes, yeah,
2: yeah. which is yeah, a very expensive process, that.
3: but they let me do it. And I thought this is going to save us a lot of time in a recording studio, which at the time, the minimum charge of a recording studio is 250 an hour. So if I'm saving an hour for every session for 65 episodes, I'm saving a goodly amount of money. It's worth it. Let the actors have it ahead of time. Yeah. Then yeah. the actors have the chance to come up with ideas of their own. To, to think of, things of, of possible ways to play a scene, because it's not just one way to play a scene. But when I would prep a script, I would hear the actors' voices play the scene out, and I would get an idea of what I thought the scene should sound like. And I knew I needed to get that, because I knew that would work. Having been such a cartoon fan, having worked in animation for many years by the time Batman the Animated Series came around, I knew what would work. And so sometimes I would give line readings, I confess, but you do it fast and furiously so the actors don't know what's happening and you just say, echo me, I want to go there. Actor goes, I want to go there. Got it. Moving on. And then the actor doesn't go, oh man, she line read me. Then you go back and say, now how did you want to do that line? Let me make sure we got your version of what you wanted to do there. And you run the scene again. That empowers the actor too. And that's what Mm -hmm. you want. is the actor feel like they are a contributing force, not just a technician? And that's why I hire actors and not technicians to do voices. You want people who can bring something to the party. And that's kind of how I always referred to my work was casting was like casting a party. Who's going to be fun together? Who's going to have a good time together? Who's going to bring something to the party? And then the recording sessions was kind of like the actual party itself. <laughs> and, you know, everybody wants to make cartoon characters talk dirty. So there was always somebody that could say something dirty and let them do that and then move on. And then what we found is Batman the Animated Series became a family. It truly became a family of Kevin Conroy. And he was the dad. And then, you know, all the various people, whether it was Adrian Barbeau or, you know, Bobby Costanzo or, you know, all these wonderful people who came to play. What happened in that show, and you guys are really familiar with this, is, you know, the Screen Actors Guild allows us to use an actor for three voices, essentially for one price. There's a bug for the third voice. But you do yourself a favor by being versatile. You have a better chance for work if you can do a couple of extra voices. And so, but in that show, in Batman the Animated Series, we wanted what we call, or what I called anyhow, a voice with character for some of these guys, as opposed to someone doing a character voice. So Bobby Costanzo sounds like Bobby Costanzo. He's going to sound like an Italian New Yorker, and that's the way he's going to sound, Then he really can't sound any different. Now, within those confines, he can do a bunch of different characters, but not in the same episode and not in the same series. Right. Everybody's going to always go. Oh, that's Bullock. I know that's Bullock's voice. So, But that's a voice with character, right, as opposed to, say, Rob Paulson doing Pinky, of Pinky in the Brain. That's doing a character voice. Yeah. So I had a whole bunch of actors like that in Batman the Animated Series who were actors who had voices, like Bob Hastings, who played Commissioner Gordon. He had a really recognizable voice. And while he could kind of do other voices, you could always hear Bob Hastings in that character. So I had the chance to get a lot of guests in because I had these regulars who couldn't cover the incidentals for me. And that was okay because we were a brand new series and we were embarked on a whole new way of making cartoons. And of course, the ensemble record was crucial, having everybody there in the room at the same time because you guys know your actors. Half of acting is reacting. And while I'm a fair actor and I can give you the line up to your line so that you have something to act against, always better to have the two actors acting together. I'm sure when you guys were doing Kim Possible, it was a much more fun, much more... It was not. You no, it was great fun. Was we a, just, we never so, recorded oh,
2: right. together.
1: Yeah, it was great fun. Lisa did a, t- Lisa Schaefer's t- a testament to her directing style. I mean, she was at a disadvantage. I had gone to college. Uh-huh.
4: So she was so in New York. So pilot episode. Uh, gotcha.
1: Yeah, I was in New York. They were patching me in. I think there was a couple times they were able to hear me. Right. But there was, but I don't, look, if we were to come back, which would be amazing, That would be a stipulation, I think, that all of us should really stand behind is Let's all be together. Let's, like, really do this all together. And to your point, Andrea, I would really want to try to challenge myself and, and beg them, guys, let me do other voices. Right. Because, so I was hired to do Kim, right? And I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, and still do to this day. That's kind of, and I'm sure you've heard, you may have heard this before in certain actors, but... I was hired to be authentically 16. Right. Like that was one of the reasons they liked me as the, my voice was that I could be sarcastic, but I could also be girly. Right. And I happened to be the age. And of course, Synergy, because I was on other things for Disney. But for so many years, I've, I've felt very insecure about my voice talent. It's so refreshing to hear you say, like, just because you don't necessarily do a million voices, it doesn't make you any less of a voice actor. Right. Um, it just makes you a different sort. That's right. But I... I will. I will say. I would love to be challenged, sure. uh-huh. um, if that's possible, to do that Absolutely. in the future.
3: You should be given the chance. You should. Why not? I mean, it's, it only it it helps them because yeah. it's cheaper. And, and, and Will can attest to the fact that for Batman Beyond, which, by the way, was one of my all-time favorite Me series too. that I worked on. And the fact Me that too. we never made a big, fat feature, like a real artist uh, in the movie theater feature. I know. Um, nor that it hasn't come back yet, because I think it should.
2: It absolutely should. We did should. so
3: many panels and Comic-Cons. Yeah, and, and
2: people love it. And I and it do
3: was... miss... Yeah. Those comic cons, but they're now for me, they're cootie cons. They're just, they're too
2: much. <laughs> you'll come back. No, you'll, yeah, you'll come Con back. I will,
3: I will, I will, But um I love that fan. I love hearing from the fans and what they like and stuff. But, but my point is there were times when I would say, you know what? I have one incidental. He's a thug who works for so-and-so. And he says, let's go. I have no problem giving that to Will and having him do four different versions of it. And we'll find one that works absolutely. And um, I don't do. Yeah. But I mean,
2: Andrea, we've we've talked about this to this day. And I've been doing this a lot now and I've had the opportunity to do more stuff. But I will never be known as the person that does 30 voices. I'm just I'm not that kind of actor.
3: And that's OK. right? Yeah. And that's OK. We need all these different types of actors. We need them all. We need people like uh, you guys know who Sterling Holloway is. Sure, of course. Sterling Holloway was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And that was a very specific voice with character. Yeah. right? He did not have versatility. That said, Jim Cummings, who now does the voice, does mm-hmm. a zillion voices. Yeah. A, a zillion voices. Yeah. But but he took the voice of Winnie the Pooh from someone who had a voice with character and learned how to do it. Um, but, but it. there's a need for all different kinds sure. of actors that way. Um, where was I in my That's wonderful. My I really, job? I
1: really want to say thank you for oh, your gosh, take on yes. that because, because living with that imposter syndrome uh-huh. to play Kim and feel almost like I was like, um, sort of like a stunt hire. It, um, stuck in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a tape that I think I was playing in my head that really prevented me from fully investing in 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 only like I really if I could only do voiceover work, I would really only do voiceover work. That's how much I love oh, it. It's the best um, job in the world. But I It is. It's it the is. best job in the yeah. world. And and I am very passionate about animation. Like now I'll watch things with my girls and I'll be like, "Oh, that'd be great." And then occasionally I'll get an audition for those things. But you know, it's a numbers game. Right. With with a lot of people may not know that about the plethora of opportunities right. um, that that you get sent. It's so much more than on camera opportunities. Absolutely,
3: and characters you never get to play on camera.
2: Ever. So right? fun. It's right. the only place exactly. I could be cool is when we're animated.
3: <laughs> it's but it's true. It's true. You
2: gonna know, wedge me into a bat suit? No, but my voice will be able to do it. There's not enough Crisco right. in the world to get me into a Batman Beyond suit. <laughs>
3: Stop. But
2: but voiceover, Stop hey, it. I can say I'm Batman and it's I mean And
3: isn't that fantastic it's, it's that amazing so wonderful part of the It's industry amazing that that actors who um I was able to bring in and say, you know, here's something that they would probably never get cast as on camera, but would you consider coming in to play? And they're like, Yeah Yes I've always wanted to and I know I don't look that part, but doesn't matter. You sound the part it's the best. And uh it is. So Andrea, then do you actually
1: hear like potential in people's voice. Like how do you hear an actor's voice and then and then bring them in for an opportunity like that? You know what is it about? The I magic don't do that
3: mindset? as much as a lot of other people do. I I tend to bring in actors yeah you know, I say this if I'm still working. Um we'll talk I, about that later. I tended to bring in actors whose work I was familiar with. If they were on camera actors and uh, for example, there was this great actor and I'm gonna forget his name now I'd be so embarrassed about it. Uh, wonderful, raspy voice. And I saw him on an episode of Castle. And Nathan Fillion, I've gotten to know over the years, and he's a friend of mine. And so I called up Nathan, and I said, Nathan, you had a guest star on your show. His name is blah that Va- raspy voice. Is he somebody you think might enjoy the experience of coming into an animation project and be a good guest? Would he have fun? Would he get it? And he's like, absolutely great guy. You're going to love him. And I brought him in and he was wonderful. So there I had the ability to get some information on the guy. Many of the people that I have worked with that I did not know their work ahead of time, either from voiceover work they had done previously or on camera work I had seen were submitted by agents. And my relationship with agents is very strong. Part of that is because I was an agent and I know exactly what that job entails and how hard it is. And I had so much respect for people who do it well. And so Mm. when I would call up Cynthia McLean and say, I need a guest for blah, 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 it's what we call a gimme. I called it a gimme, which is, does anybody need a, a SAG payment to be able to pay for their health insurance this year, oh. is there somebody Bless who's in heart. dire straits who might leave you if they don't get a job because they haven't gotten anything in the last two months or whatever? And uh, they'd say, "Yeah, you know," Cynthia would say, "Yes, this person will absolutely be right for you," and I, I wouldn't even question it. I would just say, "Send him in," or or even better, because we could have him call me two o'clock on Tuesday, send him this copy, uh, have him look it over. I'll have him audition for me over the phone. And if it's right, we'll just book them. And that's so great Voice, mean You can't do that for on camera. You couldn't back that anyhow, certainly. Right. And so then I could listen to them. And also then I got a chance to see what kind of person they were. Were they pleasant on the phone? Were they completely intimidated by the process? Were they game? And so um, that's I, a lot. of. I would get calls from producers, writers, people in the industry who worked in the same building as I, I met this waitress. She's got this great voice. You gotta meet her, blah, blah, blah. And um, I would give them a chance. I would. I'd have them call and I would listen to them. And you could tell right away if they're an actor or not. Right. You can just tell. Give them some copy to read if they can act it. There was this one, one guy that came in once. This was such a weird thing. It was a mistake. I wasn't the casting director, but I was the director. An actor with the same name as another <gasps> person. The producer wanted that other person. This guy came in. He walked in. The producer goes, "It's the wrong person." I said, "It's okay. I'll just work, run them through the session. Make it work." <laughs> well, I'll just run them through the session. This person was uh-huh. kind of a celebrity that they wanted in a different field. I don't know if they were a singer or if right. they were a musician. I think, but the guy comes in. I said, "I'll just i'll, I'll, I'll let him do the session. If I see any potential, I'll work him through it. Otherwise, I'll just run him through the session so that he's not embarrassed, and we'll let him go." And so he reads the copy and he says, "Um." oh, no, they're coming over here, gasp. Oh, <gasps> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> and so I just went, okay, we're going to get through this really fast, you guys, <laughs> and we just ran the session. Oh, but I mean, that, no, you know, no, those kinds of things are so silly because we know that gasp was in parentheses. That means you don't say that word. You, you do gasp, that thing. right. It says sneeze. You don't say sneeze. You sneeze. But um, th- that's when you could tell. that All of this being said about actors, or non-actors being presented to me, there was one time when someone called me up and we were looking for a guest voice for a 13-year-old girl, authentic sounding, just as you mentioned, Christy. Mm. And they said, I've met this girl and and she is an actress and she has worked. I think she worked on Broadway, they said. I said, have her call me. And she calls me and she was stunning. And she's Hinden Walsh. And oh, jeez! Oh, come but on! But that was that was one of those phone calls. That's so how was, Hinden was found, girl. really. And I, I brought I her in Hinden. for a guest. I, I think it was the Zeta up. Project or one of those shows way back when. And she was incredibly good. So when she called me up, she I, I, I said um, Hinden, this is you know you don't have to answer this because SAG doesn't want you to make your decisions by this as a casting director. But do you mind telling me how old you are? Because you sound thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. And she said, I'm I'm twenty seven. And it was just that wonderful, youthful sound yeah. that, that was so natural. Like you, Christy, at the time when you were doing Kim Possible, which was, yeah. was not having to manipulate your voice, you just acted. Sure. Yeah. Um, yes. And so yeah. she was awesome. She also happened to have done, and this was a lot to her credit, as she was telling me what her experience had been. She, do you know that um, the, there was a movie made of it, but it was a Broadway show called Little Voice? No. Do you know oh yeah, of course. I Yeah. It's a frightened little, quiet girl who barely speaks and lives in a hovel with her mom, completely intimidated. <laughs> Sounds funny. Brilliant, brilliant voices. Sings like Judy Garland. Sing, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely stunning things in the in the privacy of her own little hovel, right? And right. so she played this part. So I knew she had the guts. She had the chops, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She had the goods, exactly. Um, But I'm always willing to give an actor a chance. I, you know, having been an actor myself, I always tried to treat actors the way I wanted to be treated when I was trying to pursue acting work, which is with respect and kindness and giving the actor everything I can to help them get the job. And you know, as a casting director, you succeed the second you've cast the part. So if it happens to be the second actor you've brought in, Woohoo! Right, you've yeah. done your job really fast and well. And, and you know, we spoke about Kevin Conroy. I, I auditioned, I heard well over 500 voices. I Jeez. called back 250 actors and I auditioned them through a callback process. And Bruce and I had found four or five actors that we were okay with Batman, they could do it. And then I asked my sweet roommate, who's no longer with us, but who um, was a, an on-camera agent, and he said, "Do you know this actor, Kevin Conroy? He's got a lot of Broadway experience, and Shakespeare. he's done yes, Shakespeare, and he's um, a, a graduate of Juilliard, and he's got a couple of uh, uh, soap opera credits and stuff." And I said, "Well, bring him in for the callbacks." And Kevin walked in <laughs> and opened his voice, and that's it. And I heard the cork bottle opening uh, for the celebration afterwards because he approached it, and he, it was so fascinating. He approached Batman, Bruce Wayne. Like Hamlet. Mm-hmm. He said that, yeah. Father killed. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I'm sorry, uh, family killed, parents killed in front of him. Vengeance. I mean, there was so much about it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is the guy we need. Well, that's when and he uh, told
2: the, he told us a story where he didn't get it. Where he where he didn't get he didn't get the, the part. Not that he didn't get the the, the role, he didn't get Batman. He Understand didn't get it. the character. Yes. And yeah. he was sitting oh, yeah. there. What is it about the script? Yeah. And didn't he throw the script yeah, away? Bruce was talking to him, well, so let me tell you about the comic books, and he said, and then finally he said, Oh, it's Hamlet. And that's, that's, what, exactly right. that's, that's what made what him snap into it. And he, he said from that moment on, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do, that's and exactly that's how right. it was. Exactly um Okay, so very quickly, we jumped ahead because I wanted to, and it was awesome. But let's also talk. We could. We can, we can, can, this is the joy of uh, running all over the place. However, we missed a very important section of your career because it is, it is the growth of the industry in your Hanna-Barbera years. We talked about it a little bit, but Hanna-Barbera at the time, you talked about how there was no cartoon network. There's no, they were kind of the game. Disney was around, but doing more kind of the bigger films for television, which is what the kids were running home to. Hanna-Barbera was the gold standard. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your time was like there and, and what it was like to watch the growth of animation from from the front lines?
1: Awesome building. Sure, sure. Do
3: you remember that building? Oh, yeah. I sh- oh, sure. Hanna-Barbera. You an- know what? They, they wanted so much to keep that building and not th- knock it down because it was a historical Sure, site. but it's yeah. L.A. But I'm telling you that my office was located at the end of a corridor, and if I closed my door, if I, like, push to close that way as opposed to closing this way. The whole wall, all the way down the hallway. It was a horrible building. The editors- So it wasn't to code. It was the all. circle, right? The we're talking about the circle. We're down below in the basement, the sound editors, Kelly, Kelly Foley Downs. Oh down geez, basement, Kelly was down there. every hour, a sump pump would activate and work to keep the water out of the basement there. So the guy's trying to edit the sound with headphones and razor blades and the whole thing are, it was unbelievable, but extremely cool. Yeah. When I started there.
2: Which was when? Most
3: car, this would have been 1984. Okay. The average cartoon was ordered for 13 episodes. That was an order for a cartoon. What if it was, Kind of known that it was gonna. They there was real plans for it to go longer. They might order twenty six in the first order, which was insane. And then during my time there, they went to sixty five episodes, which was unbelievable. I mean, people were like, "I can buy a house. I can get my new car. I can." I can rest a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry so much. This job that I just got is going to run for two years, which was unheard of. 13 episodes could be recorded as quickly as three months. Yeah, You know, 65 episodes, are going to take a while to produce. You had work for a while. And so that was a big change. And what happened during that time was, um, it's not always the most positive reason why it happened. The result was good, but cartoons became syndicated because toy companies discovered that if kids could see a 22-minute commercial for transformers for gobots for gi joe you know, what, it, exactly, Thundercats, whatever toy name it yeah they had a lot better chance of selling those things so they started ordering more and more cartoons for example when we were making uh and, and you know action figures started little tiny characters of you know whether it's the little pop things that we see now that are so cute or whatever, The Jetsons, they had originally made 26 episodes of The Jetsons way the heck back when. And then syndicated, they went, let's make 41 more because they had lost an episode. There's an episode that's out there somewhere that's gone. I've heard about um, this. And they, and they wanted to make 65 for syndication and then started selling Jetsons because that was a nostalgia thing. And people are like, oh, my goodness, I can get, and I have one of these. It's like a a Jetsons flying saucer that's a kid's cereal bowl. And the top of it has Astro across the top of the clear bowl. I mean, it's so cool. Um, But again, this was all about merchandising, which is a major part of animation. It just, you can't deny that part of the industry.
1: Um, why is it? Do you think why is merchandising such a big part of this? Because it keeps the
3: lights on for animation. To yeah, it's set? all money, 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 yeah. money. It's all money. It's all money. Okay. Where where did the money come from to make cartoons in the first place? Commercials. Yeah. Where right. do those commercials come from? Toy companies. Where do those toy companies? Well, if they can promote and have a cartoon that has their characters moving around in it, the kids are going to go, Mommy, I want that for Christmas. And suddenly their toy sales yeah. go crazy. And it worked. It so, worked. Because that's what, oh, I mean, my. that's how
2: old I was when we were, I mean, I was eight years old when Thundercats, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and it was a toy juggernaut. And that's all you would Absolutely. do is what you had and what you could play with on the playground was all that mattered. Right. So that's it was, right. I yeah, mean. Yeah, mine was Ghostbusters. There you go. It's, and
1: I had okay. everything. Okay. Right. Slimer, right. the sheets, yep. the
2: whole and, and Wait, this, was, yeah.
3: this was the time. This is yeah. when it happened. And so uh, cartoons and, and animation in general just exploded. And I was very grateful to be there. But what happened is it got to be a factory. And people have often referred to Hanna-Barbera as a cartoon factory because we were just cranking them out. There were times when I would say, um, car- as you know, but for the audience, uh, cartoons are, are essentially recorded in four hour blocks, nine to one two to six, Monday through Friday. And we would have as many as, you know, I don't think I'm lying when I would say at least six to eight cartoons recording every week. Wow. So that only left me a couple of days to cast. I had to prep the whole week coming up the week before so that I would have time to get all the prep done, to get things done before the session recorded and all that stuff. And there's one of those uh, cultural phenomenon, and I I hope I'm not discouraging any of your fans, but Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is such a phenomenon in that it was on the air when I was a kid, and it's still on the air. Scooby-Doo episodes still being made. I worked on many of them at Hanna-Barbera and later at Warner Brothers, when Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera became one. I was never a huge fan of the show. Forgive me. And I never understood the You're not discouraging.
1: So You're entitled I, to your
3: opinion. But I, so I started asking people when I started working on it in the later years. What is the attraction? And and I figured it out. Kids can watch Scooby Doo, and get scared, but know that it's going to end up okay. That yes. it's going to be the guard yeah. that's really the bad guy. Yeah, that there are no really monsters. Just, No, exactly. It's just a sheet and a a projector. It's not. And I think that's very appealing because kids like to be scared. Sure. They do. They like that. When you throw them up in the air and they scream so happy and then you catch them. The catching is the reveal in the Scooby cartoons. They reveal that it's just the guard at the gate. Well, the thing thing that always
2: upset me was that the guard would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. I know. That's the know. thing that's so uh, crazy about the whole thing going on. Know. You know how many exactly. how many decent human beings they foiled from from just trying to make a living as a go- as a ghost or something like that. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, so I'm I have to I have to do this now. Um, okay. uh, just because I, I think this is necessary, and I'm only gonna read some, uh, but um, I want to go down your resume just a little bit if we can. Okay.
4: Okay.
2: Uh, Batman the animated series. Ben 10, Tiny Toon Adventures, Animaniacs, Bonkers, Freakazoid, Pinky and the Brain, Teen Titans, Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, Boondocks, Static Shock, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I, it, it, the list just keeps going. The podcast is an hour long. So <laughs> from, from the research that we've done, if, we, if we've got this right... You've directed more than 10,000 voice sessions, working on-
1: 1,500 episodes. Yeah, 1,600
2: TV episodes. Wow.
3: 1,600.
2: More than 50 films. Did
3: you know this? (laughs) Uh, No, you're getting into details that I don't have. Statistics I don't know. 20
2: 20 video games. Wow. Won a Peabody Award, Lifetime Achievement Award from uh, State University of New York, and eight Emmys
3: how about that? So, there's no question there. Andrea, where are your Emmys? <laughs> where do you have them? Because Andrea's you know Andrea. They,
2: she'll never do it's an interview so in funny. front of her Emmys. She won't do it.
3: I did one. Did you? But this is so funny. Yeah, for uh, John DiMaggio's film. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and somebody gave me a hard time about it online. Somebody was really, they just, oh, I heard about it. Someone told oh, me. Geez. But
0: it's good to the but, Emmy if you can't show oh, it off? Oh, here's
3: the thing, you guys. During the pandemic, when it first began uh, and we were all in lockdown, I thought, okay, Um, I can't bring in the girl who usually cleans my house. And that, to me, was the meaning of success. I was successful because I could afford to bring somebody in to clean my house for me, which was unbelievable. Okay, I can't bring anybody in. I'm going to clean the house from top to bottom. I'm going to do my bedroom from uh, the top of the overhead fan to the dust bunnies under the bed. I'm going to go through the whole house. And at one point, I realized I was in my dining room polishing my Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. And you know what? You have every right
2: to... Absolutely. It was so weird. Oh, but um, so But cool. they're, they're on my
3: buffet in my dining room. They're on my buffet in, my, in the dining room. As they
0: should be. They're just wonderful. I put
3: Barbie clothes on them. I dress them up.
0: I love that. I do.
3: And people give them to me. Scott Mendel's wife, Jackie, gave me a whole set of Barbie clothes to put on my Barbies. That's adorable. My, uh, and I enemies. would
1: absolutely... I would literally follow your Instagram of, of if uh, I did
3: that if, if you if did that, that if you yeah. did that sort of thing yeah yes. yes people want me to that would be it's, hilarious it's very sweet
2: I have it's um, funny because I have all the Barbie clothes I don't just don't have the Emmys oh
3: so I me see. it's just
2: just a random collection of Barbie clothes which is which is <laughs> the why do you thing. have well, see,
3: Barbie you're clothes. still working you still work. <laughs> you're not done yet uh speaking of
2: which
1: I agree I'm sorry
2: but that is Even a transition I have to take that right there uh because you say you're retired and we know you're retired But if a great project came back, what are the chances of some of us who have had the experience already and others who have yet to experience getting the chance of working with Andre Romano? What are the chances of that ever happening again?
3: It's it's entirely possible. The problem is, I'm afraid I would be so demanding because I love my retirement. (laughs) Um, Do you know what I do every day, you guys? What? Anything I want. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody has control of my day. um, There are so many projects that people have asked me about in that way, and I would absolutely. There's so many I would love to get back into, but I would demand an enormous amount of money. I would demand a huge amount of control. Sure. I would. I, I would be like the Simpsons were when they said, "You can't give us notes." You know, you just can't give us notes. And that's why they continued on and are so successful. It's like, we, you, they give them a minimal amount of notes. Yeah. You know, yes, you can't say horrible swear words on The Simpsons. But other than that, yeah, you know, go do Green, your thing. You just said, no, you can't. Right. Yeah. So um, if Batman yeah, Beyond did a feature, would you do I would, would be there in a minute if we could work out a deal. I would be there in a minute. I, I have, I, I loved my work. I left early. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. check this out, you guys. It's the cosmos. Yeah. Um, I left in 2017 is when I retired because I went blind in one eye. And, um, and there was a potential of, for the other eye to go blind within three to five years. And I thought, I want to travel the world and see a lot of stuff before this, if, if this ever should happen. Speaking of which, left eye's gotten a little bit worse. Doesn't matter. It wasn't was very good. Anyhow, right eye is still fine, okay. totally fine. Great. And I'm five years past that, so we're good. And there's only like a 5% chance at this point that that will happen. So I feel like I will be, I will have vision for the rest of my life. Great. But I retired early and we traveled, traveled, traveled. We spent a month in Tuscany. We spent a month in Asia. We spent a week in Hong Kong. We'll never be able to do that again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit and we all got into lockdown. And I think if I had not had that chance to travel for the two or three years that I did, I would be so angry. As it is, I feel like my retirement is being usurped by a certain political activity and uh, the pandemic. It's just, it's stolen all of our lives it's it's massively affected all of us but at least i had that and we will be getting back into it but in the last mm-hmm. two and a half years we've taken two trips yeah. and they're driving up the california coast yeah that's it yeah and going to safe places where we don't have to check in and and where we can you know check in with non-contact and stuff i'm still you know that's why i'm so glad this worked out that you were, are doing a virtual yes thing instead of in person because i'm just for you we would
1: do anything you know, so are you sweet, kidding
3: me you know the truth is uh, and i I hope people don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but I did smoke cigarettes and I smoked them for decades. And uh getting any kind of illness that affects my ability to breathe will probably be exacerbated by the fact that I smoked. So I'm extra mm-hmm. special cautious of not getting any kind of bronchial issues. You quit the, so, did
2: you quit? You quit smoking cigarettes, right?
3: Five years ago. That's awesome. So did he. Did you guys smoke cigarettes together? Of course we
2: smoked cigarettes <laughs> together. Oh,
3: yes. Because Will's house didn't smell like smoke. You could smoke inside. You could. It, it, it gra- did smell like smoke.
2: I am eight years without a cigarette May 27th. That's amazing. Yeah, so, very, but it does. It takes great. its toll. You smoke that long and that much. Yeah, you can't yeah. not yeah, you ruin your body or hurt well, your body.
3: Well, yeah. you, know, you know, you remember, Will, when there would be actors that I would work with who clearly were smokers, and they would do a line of dialogue, and they would finish the line, <sighs> Yeah. and there'd be this wheezing breath yep. attached to the last word. And I would have to say, okay, uh, say the line, finish the last word, hold your breath, and then you can breathe. And that way we can edit that breath out. But if you if you put it to the end of the line, we can't cut it.
2: <sighs> yeah, yeah.
3: Right? It has to be, we can't cut it.
2: Yeah. And then bring-
3: oh, man. Wow. So
2: it's, uh, it's, yeah, nuts. Okay, so we're, we're about to bring in our guest. But before we bring in our guest. Oh, yes.
1: Ooh, exciting. Be-
2: before we do that, I have one other question. Because there's something that we tend to ask everybody when they come on here. Okay. And, again, you don't have to use any names whatsoever. But is there a session from your entire career, for good or for bad, that stands mm-hmm. out to you?
3: A single session.
2: But something that happened in a session that makes you go, oh, well, here's a story that I absolutely am going to tell someday.
3: Uh, Well, I I did direct Steven Spielberg.
2: (gasps) That's pretty awesome.
3: Yeah. And what had happened is with Tiny Tunes way back when. And, um, you know, you meet Steven Spielberg and you, I, I worked with him. I worked with him. I got to meet him many times. And every time you do, it's butterflies in the stomach. It's shaking excitement. It's superstar time. And so we had an episode that um, that Stephen was written into. And it wasn't very many lines of dialogue. And I can't remember if it was Maurice LaMarche or Frank Welker <laughs> who scratched the lines, who dummied the lines, which means they read the lines for the cartoon. And somebody at some point said, well, you know, we wanted to get Stephen to do it. He just wasn't available. I think he was shooting something like Schindler's List or something. Light some like small that. movie. Light, light and, stuff. Exactly. And uh, But when the film came back and we were ADRing, they said, let's get Stephen now. I said, that will be delightful. So we had to go over to the Amblin lot because he was just so busy that he couldn't come to us. So we went over there, set the whole thing up. And... We prepped the whole thing, and Stephen, have gotten his level and everything, and he's in the, in the studio. I'm in the booth with Gene McCurdy and Tom Ruger, the head of the studio and the producer, and I just turned around for a quick reality check and just said... I'm directing Stephen Spears. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did the session. Now, you know ADR isn't easy. No. It's just not an easy process. And Stephen had almost no experience, but I always love having directors do things that they have asked actors to do but haven't done themselves. <laughs> and so he's doing this, and it was an absolute joy to direct him as far as it was a really, you know, he's playing himself, so it wasn't like he had to find the character. Right. right. And it was very simple dialogue, so we got through it and as I've said in other interviews, so I feel somewhat safe saying this, cause I think he's retiring too, is he is such a good director. Hmm. And I have, thank you. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting to see what
2: was going to happen. I was like, okay.
3: I thought you're safe to say that. <laughs> I have saved the outtakes from that recording session. Really, And it's, Buster and Babs, what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, and it's the best it was, though. By the time we did it, it was great. I mean, once we got it, it was great. But he just—he was extremely nervous. Well, of course, totally out and, of your element, and, 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 and that's exactly the term I was going to use. He was out of his element. He had no this. Uh, he, you know, he was—it it was out of his control completely. But I was very happy to do that. Is that the kind of story you? Exactly. No, for? that's, oh, that's great. I have. A million of those. Votes. That's what we're oh, talking million about, million good
2: or bad. We've have we've have some where it's like, hey, this happened to me, and I don't want to use names, but this guy did whatever. So, oh my gosh, you, you know, oh my gosh, there's those oh, two, I would remember, imagine.
3: Will? Oh my gosh. Oh no. Oh
2: yes. Oh my gosh. I do remember. Oh my gosh.
3: Trying to get an actor to gasp. I need you to go. <gasps> and the beep beep beep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. I was like, wait. Or, or asking an actor, a well-known actor, again, no names, uh, this is the sound that you're making when your body hits that crate behind you. You've been knocked down. Uh, you get an impact when you get hit and an, and you get a sound when you hit the crate. So it's kind of, uh, uh. and the actor looks at me and says, what's a crate? <laughs> big brown wooden boxes yeah. in that warehouse? It's, how do you, how do you respond I mean, to I,
2: that? Like
3: I got, I, that's what I said, the big brown wow. wooden boxes there. Those are crazy. I mean, he, this was like a 60 year old actor. He wasn't <laughs> sick or anything. He just was, I think he was messing with me or whatever, but wow. I have a million of those. And I, I know that you have a limit, time limit on this, but I hope you'll invite me back again. We would <gasps> love to. Are because you, we talked are about- Are you kidding like, me? a small amount of That's my, what I'm saying. My, There's oh my gosh. so oh, we much would love left to have to you back. I would love to. And I, you answered thing. one of
2: our other questions that we always ask. Christy, we always ask uh, if you could work with anybody and you didn't get a chance to. Who was it? But you already said Alex it's Trebek. It's me, Alex Trebek. It's Christy. Oh, it's damn. Christy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Your cousin Christy. Yeah, Andrea, come my on. cousin Christy. It is. Alex I love Trebek. It. Okay. I love it. Well, as I always
2: yeah, say, yeah. Uh, my, my friend wrote into uh, his script, his beautiful movie, Swimming with Sharks Actors don't die, they're just unavailable uh so that is i think exactly uh how how it is but we have now got george with us hey george
3: <gasps> hey, hi george, george. hi Wow. what a nice guys... collection of stuff you have behind you oh thank you this nice. old thing
2: this old thing
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i love that very now, nice george where are you from uh originally california right now okay. i'm in chicago oh okay beautiful yeah So, you moved from the big apple to the orange state. (laughs) Somehow. I know nothing of the names of cities and stuff like that. Well, welcome. Uh, This is, of course, you're here with the world famous and amazing Andrea Romano. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is yeah. pretty nuts, George. I'm
3: oh, um, just a girl standing in front of a boy tra- trying to get a performance. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Talk about imp-
2: imposter syndrome kicking in right now. Oh,
3: Whoa, man.
2: We're all just here. We're all just having fun, George. There's no imposters it, here. Man. We're all Absolutely. just enjoying ourselves. And George, have you
1: heard, have you listened to I Hear Voices yet?
2: Oh, come on now.
1: Come on yeah. now. Really? So you're yeah. a fan? Have I ever?
2: Hey, we're meeting our fan.
1: That really means a lot to us. That's great. (laughs) We're really excited to roll out this new feature on our podcast, I Hear Voices, with our fans, where we're doing this amazing engagement exercise with obviously iconic people that we get to have on. And uh, Will, do you want to explain what we're going to do?
2: So what we want to do is we're going to play a little game with you. Okay. We're calling it Across the Garden. Across the Garden. So what it is, is Christy and I are two mice. And we are trying to get across from one side of the garden to the other side of the garden. And we're meeting all these woodland creatures and different bugs, flowers, everything along. And we would love for you to voice one of the characters. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you a couple lines, and then hopefully, if all goes according to plan, as we hope it's going to, uh, at the end of a season, we're going to take all of our different guests' voices, and we're going to edit together and animate a little cartoon, and then everybody gets to be a voice in the cartoon. Everyone gets to be a a voiceover actor. You, however, happen to be here on one of the most ridiculous days in the world, and you are going (laughs) to get to experience something that nobody has in a while, and we'll see, hopefully we'll get to get have again, but we don't know. And that is we're going to give you some of the lines, and you're going to read them. But then Andrea Romano's going to give you some direction, you know, you hear people what talk about being put in a situation <laughs> where the pressure might get to you. <laughs> This could no potentially pressure. be one of those times in life. I don't think the pressure's going to get to you at all. You are simply being put on the spot to do cartoon voices with a living legend. So
1: <laughs> No big deal. No big I, deal. She's going to go easy on you.
2: I sure hope so. Now, George, you have any idea what kind of character you'd like to be? Let's do... Did you say Caterpillar's already taken? And no, Caterpillar, no. Not, whatever you want to do. What do you taken. think, Christy?
1: No, I love Caterpillar.
2: All right, so I'll be a Caterpillar. All right, we ready for this, Christy? We're not going to do many lines this time. No. We're leaving this to you and to Andrea now. So like a real VO session, you're going to be recording your dialogue here. Okay. Um,
3: are you speaking in between his lines? No, I'm be- to no, no. we'll
2: we'll, do, we'll just do this clean for him.
3: Okay, Okay. so you'll you'll read him into it, and then he'll respond. Correct. With, this is my trick.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do something like that. And
3: then, and am I meant to interrupt him while he's working, or let him get through his four lines? Up
2: to you. Whatever you want. Very good.
3: I'm thinking, George, I'm going to start directing already. I'm thinking that since this is the first time you're actually going to be doing this, go ahead and go through all four lines, just so you can kind of create the voice, and nobody will judge you from the very beginning. We're going to let okay. you use these four lines to find the voice. Okay? And then we'll judge and you. Then we'll judge you. <laughs> and then we'll judge you in such a big way. He's a caterpillar. Makes sense. Okay, do Caterpillar, I love it. Okay, ready?
2: All right, so we come up, and uh, there are Mocha Mouse and Ricky Mouse, brother and sisters, who are coming around a big tree. Take it, Christy.
0: All right, so just follow me. Okay, Ricky, we just have to head over here.
2: Yeah, I know. I think this is the tree that he said we were supposed to go to, but it's, like, really tall, and it's kind of scaring me.
0: Oh, Ricky, will you just do your deep breath exercises, please? There's a caterpillar. Hello, caterpillar. How are you? Um,
3: this, this is my tree.
0: Uh, that's rude. Um, okay. We're supposed to go around you, so can you please move?
2: Um, get away from my tree. Um, I think that's probably good advice. Maybe we'll just get away because no. he seems like Ricky, he doesn't want us you... No, I it. have got this. You always say that, but then I end up getting hurt or something. Excuse me.
0: We have to get around this tree, okay? So you have to move so we can go.
2: Don't be rude. Could you at least tell us which way we have to go to get to the mall?
3: Okay, fine. Just keep going that way, and the mall is on the left.
2: Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, we'll see you.
0: Fine. Bye.
2: You're welcome. Don't come back. <laughs> and very there's good. your scene. Very good. Yes. Okay.
3: So, so many good <laughs> instincts there, George. So many good instincts. What you did that I find was so interesting is both Christy and Will had chosen kind of laid back, slow paced voices. And you went for a higher-pitched uh, annoyed. I, I would say annoyed is a really good description for this caterpillar. Yes, do you agree?
2: Uh, yeah, it felt that way for sure.
3: I love it. I love it. Um, I think another thing we can do to contrast with them is play with the pace a little bit. Oh, okay. So if they're slow and hesitant, you can be faster. And okay. I'm not saying rapid-fire fast. I just mean faster. Now... Let me ask you, when they come around your tree, what are you doing? I was trying to collect some stuff, gathering some of my things, and I'm kind of annoyed because Great. you kind of interrupted me. Excellent, excellent, that's uh, that's so good. You have to have what happened before yeah. so that you know how to come into it, and that's ex- excellent. Um, so I want you to give me three readings of this is my tree, and yeah. don't be afraid to add a hay in the front of it. I'm not sure exactly what will lead into it, but okay. if, if adding something to it or, or, but give me three completely different versions of that. But Christy, will you read him into it so that he has something sure. to act off of anything along the lines of, um, and it, you, you did it already naturally. So go ahead and just give us, give him a read and he's going to do three in a row.
0: Ricky, let's just go over here. Okay. Just follow me and we'll talk to this caterpillar. Hi, caterpillar. We're here because we have to get around this tree.
2: Um, hello, this is my tree.
3: Uh, this, this here's my tree. Um, this is my tree. Good, good. That was great. Um, but what's the operative word here? This is my tree, right? Again. Hey, this is my tree. Get the heck out of here. So hit the mile a little bit more. Okay. And you're enjoying Christy's performance too much. You're, I, I you are I see you smiling. <laughs> I know, I know. I like your picture, the little mouse. <laughs> there you go. But you're smiling and Z then it's mouse. taking you a second to get to the annoyed. So I need you to be cranky and perturbed and already you've been interrupted 10 times trying to get this errand done that you're working on. And I want you to use the word, hey, as your first word. Okay. Deal. Just snap that out at her, okay? okay? And make sure that you hit the word my. Okay, Christy, read them in one more time, please. You got it.
0: Ricky, just just take some deep breaths, okay? We're just going to walk around. and Look, there's a caterpillar. Hi, Mr. Caterpillar. We need to get around this tree. Hey, this is my tree.
3: Hey, this is my tree. And one more for me, George. Hey, this is my tree. Hey, this is my tree, not your tree. There you go. That's perfect. I love that one. (laughs) I love that one.
2: That's the take.
3: Uh, And now, get away from my tree. I want you to do that one for me. in That same voice that you just established, George. The voice is a little bit different and it's good. Uh, Get away from my tree. Just give me that three times, please. Get away from my tree. Get away from my tree. Get away from my tree. I love that last one. (sighs) Very good. Thank you. Uh, and then, okay, fine, just keep going that way. Uh, the malls on the left. Um, okay, fine. I'd love to hear a sigh through. Okay, fine. Ooh. Right? Okay, fine. Just put a sigh. And, and that, I say to you as an animator, gives the animator something to play with, right? Okay. The creature's going to go, okay, fine. It'll give them something to play with. Uh, just keep going that way and get them, get them out of there faster. Just go around that way. The mall's <laughs> over there. Okay? okay. Use the words that you have. Okay. Give me three in a row. Go for it. Okay, fine. Just keep going that way. The mall is on the left. Okay, fine. Just keep going that way. The mall is on your left. Okay, fine. Just keep going that way. The mall is on the left. Loved it. Love that last one too. It might be a noise, and but it was very good. And then. Let's try something with that last line, George. Okay. Really sweet on you're welcome. And then make a big turn on the end. Call out to them, they're already on their way. And don't. Go. Okay, you know okay. what I mean? You're, you're welcome. Genuine, nice, and then mean and loud for the second half. Go for it. Three in a row. Thank you. You're welcome. Don't come back. You're welcome. Don't come back. You're welcome. And don't come back. Excellent. Very Yay! well done. Thank you very hey, thank good you. for you. And and let me just say that animator turned voice actor has worked very well for Eric Bowser.
2: Yeah. Super talented artist who just got to experience something that not a lot of people do, my friend. So this is a you day. And this Steven is a story. You and Steven Spielberg apparently. <laughs> uh, exactly. I, I I, what is even reality anymore? Exactly.
4: <laughs> I think
2: that's all you need to know. I
1: think you did a great job.
2: Before you go, George, really quickly, what are your uh, what are your socials? People can reach out and they can follow you on. What do you got? Um, Georgie's World, W H I R L D on Instagram, and then um, George Leva, my last name, L E I V A on Facebook. There you go. Well, go check out everything that George does because he is obviously a brilliant artist and dare I say an up-and-coming voiceover actor
3: absolutely Uh, I look forward to seeing your name in the end credits of some cartoon exactly you can put
2: directed by Andrea Romano on your resume (laughs) and only a select few of us can my friend so that is pretty amazing you guys have my heart thank you so much for joining us George we appreciate it it was a pleasure nice (laughs) meeting you my friend thank you so much bye bye thank
3: you bye that was fun that was awesome I like directing. I, yeah. Oh, did you miss it? <laughs> oh, just
2: being? <laughs> I I'm do. sorry. I, I got I, I got do. butterflies just watching that again. I really did. It just actually my you. face
1: hurts, hurts from smiling so it much. Just that was you such right a wonderful day. Experience. I also
2: just what I like to say very quickly. I think one of the reasons why you're so good at it is not only because you love it, but because like you said before, you've done it all. So you were an actor, you were an agent, you were a casting director, you were a voice director. There is no side, other than maybe drawing, there is no side of the animation industry that you haven't done. Uh, right. I think that when you- So I married
3: the- I You married, married the, the artist, exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you <outsourced> Christy <laughs> married the
2: producer, you married the artist. It's amazing. Excellent. Um, so that was, uh, wow, That just watching that again. Would was, you
3: ever produce? You know, I have been asked that so many times and absolutely not. Not in the least bit <laughs> interested. <laughs> Way too much responsibility. Just way too much
2: responsibility. That's how I feel about directing. Is that right? For Like directing on camera stuff. Everyone's like, you want to be a director because yeah, yeah. you're an actor, right? It's like, I have no desire to ever do that.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. I hear you. Oh, my.
3: I miss you, Will. I miss you I miss too, you, And Christy, this has been such a
1: pleasure <laughs> spending <laughs> time you. with you. Yeah. Well, now I'm just, I'm hooked well, into you having You guys room. are going
2: to meet up at the next family reunion. Yeah, right.
3: Exactly.
1: The you next should do reunion. a, could you guys do a Batman, uh, like, reunion? We do them all the time. No, not 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 filmed, but just like for friendship.
2: Like go to a bar and like see each other. Oh yeah, well we I mean we do stuff at at conventions and when the world, you know, uh, again being Opens being healthy, again. but we, yeah. Andrea and I we'd see each other. I mean, Andrea came to my wedding. Flew to Connecticut and was in, was at I my did. wedding. Oh, so, I mean, we've we've great. known each other for a Please very long hang- time.
3: Yeah, bit. we did yeah. use to hang quite a bit, and then you know you got married.
2: Yeah, and then I, then the wife no. came into the picture. See, I, I'm so
3: happy for you. I'm well, so that
2: makes one of us. Yikes! <laughs> I love my wife, and I would only say that in the middle of a soundproof booth. Um, which is uh, which is true. But no, this has been so amazing to have you here. And just, uh, yeah, again, we we can't gush about you enough. And everything you've done, not only Thank in the know. industry, but for the industry. I mean, yes. just a game changer know. on so many different levels. And I know you said that you're so happy in retirement and that it would take, uh, you know, the, the Brinks truck backing up to your house. Um, I understand that, but, uh, just being able to watch you do that again, man, there's so many people that would love to be able to see that again. So hopefully uh, and she's I worth would.
0: it. She's worth it. So. Ho- <laughs> I, I hope hey, that some
2: projects going to come along that you're going to say, I have to come back and do this again. So, uh,
3: I, 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 I hope that happens too. Frankly, I do. I, when I, as soon as I get into doing it again, I, I'm so happy. I love it so much. It's. It's a it's a wonderful art form. It is. And it's it melds with my per- persona, my personal. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah. way I am. It's who I'm, you are. I, it is. It's who I am. It was meant to be that I worked in the animation industry. It was de- predestined, and I didn't know it. Well,
2: that's pretty that's wonderful. So and wonderful. And I can also tell you that our producer already chimed in, and she just, in giant caps, wrote, This is only part one. See, so have oh, good. so good. much <laughs> left to talk about. That would
3: make me happy. And So you know, we, found I, loophole, love, we found a loophole, see? We found a loophole to get direct exactly. So I, <laughs> I love your I love what you're doing with bringing these actors in and letting some fan in and letting them it's a great idea, and I, I I wish you a lot of luck with that, putting that all together. Good for well, you. Well, we appreciate it's a very that. Very cool, thing. and it's a
2: ton of fun. And, and it's, I want to see it. But it's done yeah, fun. definitely. It's just we we've been at, we, this all started because at conventions we got so many people saying, "I want to be a voiceover actor. I'm good at it. I do funny voices. I do this," and it's like, all right, well, let's give you a shot. So I can tell you though that uh, this this is the George is going to be the only actor who's got directed by Andrea Romano. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! They said in Troy, Achilles is teaching you how to fight kings and queens would kill for the chance. So yes, nice. just for the nice. opportunity of that. But Andrea, we love you so much. Thank you. This is absolutely Thank you. only part one.
3: All right, then. Let me do more, please.
2: Yeah, because I think, we, think we're, we've done an hour and a half, and we're up to 1987.
3: I uh. know. Uh, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. We didn't even talk about you know um, any of the Nickelodeon stuff. No. We didn't even oh discuss my gosh. We've got Avatar, The Last Airbender.
2: So much Which, more.
3: Did you guys hear when the pandemic started, it was the number one Netflix show for like I the first I month hearing that. of the pandemic? Because everyone's binging. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And it's such a great show It's to an pay. amazing it's show. A great... I, I love it. Andrea, thank you so much. I don't
2: want to leave you. Thank you, you guys. I Hear Voices is hosted by Will Ellen, and Christy Carlson Romano. Produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney and Will Dell. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. And that was my announcer voice.
0: Some side effects of listening to I Hear Voices are sore abs from hilarity,
1: falling down the melon rabbit hole, sneezing due to mass nostalgia and hugs.
2: Follow I Hear Voices wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of the amazing voices.
1: Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at I Hear Voices Podcast. To see the video stream, subscribe to my YouTube
2: channel. You can also check us out on MySpace, Omegle, Vine, LimeWire, AAM, and Napster.
1: Okay, Will, let's teach you about the internet.
2: The what? (laughs)